Hi, friends, and welcome to 24 Karat Conversations. I'm your host, Rhonda Velez. Let's be real. Testing and trials are never fun. But what I have found is that we aren't alone in those seasons. My favorite Bible verse is Job 23.10. For when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We're going to share some amazing stories of people who have endured and emerged as pure gold in the midst of hard circumstances. We're going to laugh, probably cry, and get super transparent about life and the struggles we endure. So sit back, relax. It's about to get real. Hello, 24 Karat Conversations. Welcome back. Uh, We are still in our series on transition, and I want to introduce a very, very special guest. Her name is Molly Wilcox. It's kind of funny because um, Molly happened, she went to my church, she goes to my church, and I was with my friend Jessica, and Jessica saw Molly, and I was like, how does Jessica Shakir know everybody, right, Molly? (laughs) She just knows everybody. And I was like, what is, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe, you know, Molly. And so we connected and she's an author and a coach. And we just, I just was like, you have to be on the podcast because as I learned a little bit about her story, I thought you were perfect to talk about transition. And so um, we're going to talk more about what she does in her business at the end of this, but I want to introduce Molly Wilcox. Welcome Molly to 24 Karat Conversations. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Rhonda. I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm excited to have you on. So I want you to share a little bit about your story and your journey with transition, because I know that you've moved a few times um, and you're fairly newly married. So uh, tell us a little bit about that and how that transition from one place to the next, from being you know newly married and all those transitions kind of has happened and what that's felt like. Yeah. So I always tell people that I feel like I lived like the Christian college American dream (laughs) because (laughs) I went to a small Christian school and it was a wonderful experience. And I actually met my husband on the first day of our first Bible (laughs) class. So we literally met like first college class ever freshman year. We didn't end up dating for a while, but we did end up getting engaged. So we were like the ring by spring story. (laughs) And then we ended up graduating early to get married. And while we were kind of preparing for graduation and preparing for marriage, we felt the Lord asking us to move to Colorado. And so we were like, okay, we were in this little tiny school in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. And then we were going to pack up everything we owned right after graduating college, getting married and move to Colorado. So that felt like a big transition because I was like, okay, I'm leaving my identity as a student. I'm suddenly working. My husband's working. I'm suddenly married. And now I'm living in a new place with no connections and kind of no context. And we moved to a very rural mountain town. And then a year later, the Lord asked us to move again. And I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) you're kidding. Because I thought that, you know, just adjusting from all those things in one year, it was like Mm. a really big, hard transition. Just one of them would have been, but all of them together felt like a lot. And then the Lord was like, actually, I'm going to ask you to move again. And I was like, oh no, like this means new friends again. This means building a new community again. This means new jobs again. This means like new schedules, new grocery stores, like all the things. Um, But the thing that has always stayed constant is God. And so I learned very quickly in this journey of like quick transitions, how to really rely on the Lord and how to really understand that 
now I feel like transitions actually excite me because I'm like, oh, God is always moving. And so we kind of have to move to keep up, you know? And so I'm like, I want to be a part of what God is doing wherever that is, whether it's asking me to move or change positions, change jobs, um, or even just change friendships or relationships. So that's a little bit of my backstory with transitions. Yeah, I think with transitioning, when you were talking about moving from Indiana to, to Colorado, and I'm sure at some point, I mean, I, I when I talk to people about like, especially transitional moves, like when God asks you to move, and it doesn't always make sense, right? Like, not everybody, is, people think you're like crazy. I, I remember when we moved here, people were like, why would he ask you to move to Nashville? Like that seems ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, but to move again, did you ever feel like at some point, like, did I hear you wrong? Did you say Nashville? And I went to Colorado. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Did you ever feel like I heard you wrong, God? Oh yeah. I think a big part of my walk with the Lord over the last couple of years has been learning how seasonal sometimes our callings are because my perception, leaving a Christian school, I tell people we even had a calling and career office at my Christian college. Like it was like calling was this big word. And I thought, oh, you get one, like you have one calling and you do that for life. And then I left school, got married, started work and realized very quickly, like actually God calls us to so many different things throughout our lives. And we have to be in constant relationship with him, listening to him for him to call us to something different and being willing to be disrupted and say, okay, this was a calling, but it was for a season and I'm going to let this go and go to the next thing. But I remember just like, honestly, experiencing a lot of shame and kind of guilt when I was calling like even family and friends and saying, yeah, we're, we're feeling like we're going to move to Tennessee. And that ended up happening very quickly too. So it was kind of like within two weeks, we were like, we're moving to Tennessee. And I remember people just being like, did Colorado not work out or like what happened? And that caused so much doubt for me, but I was like, it's not that it didn't work out. It was that God had it for us for an appointed time. And it was, the time was over and we knew when it was over, we sensed it ending and we knew we had to go on to the next thing. But in the moment I was like, oh gosh, this is really hard. Now Mm -hmm. looking back, of course, it makes a lot more sense, but I think you have to just get around people of faith who are going to say, you know, like, it's not you hearing God wrong. It's just that like God is continuing to speak to you and he'll continue to speak a fresh word and a new word. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're in alignment with people who are supporting you and knowing the voice of God, because I feel like, you know, when you're around people that don't know, you know, what the call of God really means. I mean, when you delay that, when you don't follow the voice of God, there's just never anything good that happens on the end the, you know, the back end of it. And it's so funny because I, you know, last year I not only changed um, where I lived, but I changed a career that I, I left a company after 12 years that I was there and went to a new company and I couldn't explain why I just felt like God was moving me away. But I feel like that isn't always forever. You know, it's like sometimes God will call you back to another place with a different role, a different position, maybe something, you know, um, in a different company. Like it doesn't, it's kind of like you just have to listen. And I just like, I remember just feeling like God say, it's time. And I was like, but I don't, but it's comfortable here. And I think that that's the hard thing is the minute we get stuck in that comfortable place, it's so hard for us to move and trust that God is really in it. And I I feel the same. Like I've had to listen to God's voice and kind of zone out everybody else 
around me because otherwise I'm worried about everyone else's other opinions and the shame that it feels like, you know, oh, I'm moving to run away from something. I think that those are all like really normal feelings that we have and we have to also grieve them. Right. So kind of talking about that, like, how did you grieve, like, not only the season of leaving Indiana, um, and I do have to say, like, being newly married, that's a, that's a ton of transition in itself. Like, you have to have a really strong marriage anytime you're doing a transition. Um, right. What do they say? Buying a house, having a baby, moving are three of, like, the largest stressors in a marriage. Um so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were pieces that you had. I mean, you were grieving singlehood, college, moving to a new state, and then a year later doing it again. So tell me a little bit about like that and the grief process that you had to come to. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting because I feel like, at least for me, I tend to be an optimist. And so I try to kind of look at everything in life with the rose colored glasses. And I'm very like, I like to romanticize my life a little bit. I'm like, everything is awesome. Like even when it's not, that's kind of my attitude. Um, and my husband will say that I think first and then I do like I act and then last I feel. And so I think that's definitely how I did that transition, which now I feel like I'm I've grown in wisdom and I'm like, okay, it's not exactly how to do it, but mm -hmm. I would kind of like make the decision and think about it and be like, okay, this is what the Lord said. We're going to act. And then later be like, okay, now I need to feel all those feelings. Mm -hmm. So for me, it came a little bit delayed. Like the grieving process didn't even really happen until I was in Tennessee and had been in Tennessee for a few weeks. And I was like, oh, this is really hard. Like I'm the new girl again. Like I'm trying to kind of like figure out how to make friends here. And another kind of part of this story was I didn't have a job when we moved to Tennessee, but my husband did. And so I felt very abandoned by the Lord for a while because I was like, where are you in my story? Like, it feels like you're just in his story. So how, how does this work? And obviously newly married, it was like, how do I even bring this up to my husband? You know? Yeah. Um, so that was very interesting, but I think now I've learned that I, I don't feel like God is not afraid of our grief. And I feel like in the past, I also thought it had to be something huge for me to grieve it. Like I was like, mm -hmm. oh, you grieve like, you know, a marriage falling apart or mm -hmm. losing a family yeah. member. You don't grieve like changing friendships. But now I'm like, oh no, like you grieve that and you have to bring it to the Lord and say, you know, like this hurts and I'm sad. And there's been moments now in my life where I feel the Lord's sadness with me. And like yeah. you said, sometimes things are for a time. And so I remember leaving Colorado and I had one friend who I did not make a lot of friends while I was there, but I had one friend who I was like, man, this feels like a soul friend. Like it feels like we were just meant to meet and be friends for forever. And so leaving was just so hard because I was like, when am I ever going to see her again? And I remember the Lord just saying like, you know, you have to trust me. Like some friends are for a season and I might bring you guys back together. Like you just don't know. I know um, you've mentioned you have like another older friend coming and moving into yeah. this area. And so it's like the Lord is just infinite in the way that he does things. And mm -hmm. I still honestly sometimes think like that friend might end up living near me again at some yeah. point. And I don't know how or why, but I just have faith at this point that I'm like, the Lord was sad that we had to separate, but also like when you live on mission, you're like, okay, I want that person to be on mission and they need to go where they need to go. And I need to go where I need to go. And we can stay in touch as best as we can. Um, and then just trust the Lord that he'll bring us together at some point. 
Yeah. And I think you said uh, the word abandoned. Yeah. And that <laughs> me because I think that that is, that's such a great feeling word, right? Like we, a lot of times we don't actually say how we feel yeah. or tell the Lord how we really do feel. And I, you know, you can be in a season of transition and be happy and be sad and hold both together, you know, because you, you know, when you, when you do something like moving across the country and there's friendships that were solid and you had them there or family that was, you know, there, I know like for my husband, like his whole family's in California. So it's really, it was a, a larger grief process for him than for me because my family's here. So I feel like you, you have to like grieve it and actually name it and to tell the Lord, like, I feel abandoned by you. Right. And I, I think, you know, I mean, and you can probably relate to this. I grew up in church too. I went to a Christian college and you do kind of see things a certain way um, because you've lived a certain way and you lived life right. And so you're expecting God to move in the way that you tell him to move because right. he did it all right, you know? And I think when God shifts that and, and shakes it up a little bit, we can become disgruntled with him or we can really lean into the fact and he becomes our everything. Like I know that in a season of where I felt abandoned by the Lord, I began to read the word more. I began to pray and I began to hear his voice more. And really, I don't think had I had gone through that season of feeling abandoned that we would have even moved to Tennessee because I, I was able to hear God's voice clearly speaking. And when I look back and I don't know if it's like this for you, but when I look back at like some of the journals and stuff that I was writing in, I even wrote in one of my journals, I feel like God is moving us. But I didn't know what that meant at the time. I didn't know he meant like, you know, 3,000 miles away from where I grew up. Um, but yeah, I just feel like we have to actually be honest with God when we're grieving through a transition. Um, because you can't really even enjoy the next season until you've grieved kind of what you've been through. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like I almost felt like a sense of shame for being disappointed and that was keeping me from God. And I talk about that a lot in my book because I feel like the first step is that honesty and that openness of just saying like, I'm going to go and I'm going to pour out my soul before the Lord. And I'm just going to tell him every emotion I'm experiencing and I'm going to trust him with that. And that's, that's just it. Like that's the period, which I think for us in our culture is sometimes hard because we're like, was he going to get up and do something? Is he going to go and move? Is he going to change my circumstances? But I talk about it in the book and I'm like, sometimes God is just there to almost like, just hold your hand and be like, I'm here with you. Like I'm here with you in this. And that's kind of what I learned to like, kind of love about transitions. Cause like you're saying, it's like this good heart of like, man, this feels really hard, but also like, I feel God so close. Yeah. And I think, you know, anxiousness comes a lot with that as well. I think we, you know, I mean, we live in a time where everything is instantaneous, you know, and so we want God to complete it in the way that we see it. And I think it's, he doesn't work that way. He doesn't work on our timeline, that's for sure. And he definitely, the outcome definitely isn't always what we've prayed for, or you know, thought we wanted, but I feel like in the anxiousness, you can often start to doubt what God has called you to. And I think that's when you really have to kind of press in and go, okay, God, like, am I doing, what am I doing? And how are you bringing me to this new level? Cause it is every time you transition and you actually grieve well, and you move to the next step, 
you begin to heal, you begin to grow. Like the person I was 20 years ago, isn't the woman I am today, you know, and you're, I mean, you know, you're, you're younger and I'm sure you'll see that as you grow, you know, you're going to be able to see God, you know, he moved me to Tennessee. I, I wish that I could have heard the voice of God in my twenties, the way that you so clearly heard it. And I, I just admire you for that because I really wanted to do what I wanted to do when I was in my twenties. And I do believe that that kind of stunted me back from some of the things that God really wanted to propel me into out of fear, out of fear that I wasn't enough, or I wasn't going to be able to, to handle what he had given me. So I, I think that it's just awesome that you like <laughs> kind of figured that part of it out, not saying that you got it all figured out, but you know, at least you can hear his voice, which I didn't want to hear his voice at 20s in my 20s, you know? Right. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your book because you're in your book, how much more, and it says that you um, talk about seeking joy and delight in the process. And so let's talk a little bit about the process. How do we <laughs> seek joy and delight when God is like taking us all over the place and in the middle of transition? <laughs> Yeah. I love this question because I feel like, um, even with the book, like it feels very funny to me to have like a finished product in a book because I'm like, it's so not finished. <laughs> like the story yeah. is just not over and it never is with God. Um, but it's, it can be so much fun. And I think that I've learned over the years just to find joy in like the uncertainty. So I think when you're talking about fear too, a big thing for me in transitions is, I know you said comfortable too. So, you know, a lot of times if we're given the choice between what's comfortable and what's known and what's unknown and uncertain, we'll pick what's comfortable. Mm -hmm. But faith literally means to like, believe in what you can't see. And so in a transition, that means to step into the unknown with God and to say, like, I believe that I'm going to go from glory to glory because that's what the word says. And so I'm going to go into this next thing, unsure of what the road might look like and how many, you know, bumps there'll be. There'll be like highs and lows, of course, but I'm going to believe that if God's calling me to this and he's asking me to move into something new, I'm going to go. And I think it can be really fun on the process because you're able to say, you know, we're not there yet. Like we're not at the end yet. And so even in those moments where it's like a very low, low, you can still say like, I'm believing in faith for what God hasn't yet revealed, what I don't see, what is uncertain, but the certainty is God. And so I know I can have joy because I have God with me this whole time, no yeah. matter what. And so I'm walking in joy and excitement even because I know that God holds the future. Yeah. With anticipation, right? Like yeah. And I think a lot of, I think fear and trust are very closely linked. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I've had so many issues with trusting God and that comes from a lot of my story, a lot of, um, you know, things that I dealt with in my childhood, but trusting fear is something that like, I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop or right. for it, something to go wrong. And so I've had to like really lean into Jesus and say, I'm going you told me that you're going to take care of me and, you know, you take care of the birds of the air. And so why wouldn't you take care of me? You know, I have to remind myself with those scripture verses, because if I don't, I can so easily fall into, you're not coming through. I don't see you. I don't, I, I can't see what you're doing. And I think 
that's, that's really, and for Christians, you know, we're supposed to, those are things we're supposed to know and do. Right. But I think we're all guilty of not trusting Jesus and not thinking that he's going to come through for, he always does. He's never, you know, they always say he's never, he's never late. You know, he's always on time. It might be at the ninth hour, but he's always on time. And I think once you've stepped into a new transitional season and you look back, that's why I love journaling. Are you a journaler? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a, I'm such a journaler. And I, I literally opened a box up the other day and there was, I mean, I probably have like 40 journals in there Mm -hmm. and I look at them. And when I look back at them, I see, oh my gosh, God has never once let me down. Like never once. It may have not been the way that I saw it happening. It may have not been in my perfect timing. But when I look back at those journals, I see God's faithfulness. And so I always encourage people that I'm coaching, like journaling is so important, whether it's from a business standpoint or a personal standpoint, like journaling is such an important part of our lives um, so that we can see what God has truly done. So yeah, Yeah. I I, I don't know. How how do you, I mean, tell me a little bit about that. What do you think about journaling and how, how has it impacted you? Yeah. I love talking about this because as a writer, I talk a lot about like why we write. And one of the main reasons that I believe we write is because it draws us to remember the Lord. And so I think a lot about the connection between writing and remembrance. And I think it's so cool that God even gave us his word as his main way of communicating because he was like, this is like how we remember. And I think about all the scribes and how the word has gotten passed down. And I think that's just like so cool. But while you were talking, I actually thought of a testimony about journaling. So I feel like this is a a cool little story. So I was praying and my husband and I had lived in Nashville for a little bit and we were living in an apartment and I was asking the Lord where we were going to live next. And I was like, I'm very future oriented forward thinker, if you can tell. So I was like really wanting a house. And I wrote down in my journal that I felt like the Lord was saying that we were going to live in a yellow house. And I wrote down like a little description of it. And then we ended up re-signing our lease and staying in that apartment for a couple of years. And so I totally forgot about it. Fast forward, we end up kind of having this miracle house thing happen and move into our house. And we've been in our house now for over a year. And there was one day where the Lord gave me a date and like brought a date to mind. And I was like, I have no idea what this is about. And so I was like, I'm going to go look in my journals and see if I journaled anything on this date. And I found it. And it was a description of a yellow house, which we live in now. (laughs) And I was like, how cool is God's faithfulness? And I was like, this is so crazy because I could have missed that and I could have forgotten about it and not remembered. And like you said, the timing was not what I thought at the time when I was like journaling about that, I was like, Oh, we're going to live in this house in like the next month or something. But really it was years later. Um, but it was so cool because the Lord wanted to draw my attention to it and be like, Hey, I'm, I am a promise keeper. And like, Mm -hmm. when I gave you this word, it was going to get fulfilled, just not in the timing that you thought. Yeah. And you know, when you talk about writing too, like being able to, the one thing I have learned is to write down what I'm actually thinking and feeling right at the moment and not trying to think too much of like, when I feel like God is speaking to me and I write it in a journal, I just write whatever I feel instead of going, like, I need to come to this place of like, what is God speaking to me? Like this big booming voice, right? Right. Like And it's so funny because it's true. Like you write stuff down and you look back and you think, Oh, like my moving thing, like he's moving us. No idea what that meant, 
But, you know, to be able to look back and go, man, like God was already preparing me. Like he prepares us before we walk through things. And sometimes we miss that because we are so caught up in whatever we're doing. But when we're able to journal and look back, I always like um, to look back. We're recording this at the end of the year. And I always love to go and look back at some of the things that I was enduring at the beginning of the year to see how much growth and transition that God has brought us through, um, through the whole year. So yeah, listeners, I encourage you to journal if you don't, and it doesn't have to be, I'm a writer, you're a writer. So we like to write, not everybody does, but I, I was telling my husband the other day, I'm all, you should just start voice memoing yourself. Like, cause he doesn't like to write. And I'm like, cause even voice memoing to be able to go back and hear in a season where you were in something hard, um, and remembering that it's, it's, it's just a great practice and it's a great way for you to just remember God's faithfulness. Yeah. And talking about transitions too, I think that's one of the best things when you're approaching a new transition Mm -hmm. to go back and look at God's faithfulness. And so having that documented in some way is so important because you can go back and you can say, oh, God has done this before. And so that will build your faith to move forward and believe like he will do it again. Wow. That's so good. That's so good. Well, I am so happy that we got to have this conversation today, but I have a couple fun questions for you that you don't know about. Okay. So what is your favorite Starbucks drink right now? I am a peppermint mocha girl because it's holiday season. So all the way. Yeah. I know. I wish I was, I was telling someone the other day, I'm like, yeah, I'm not really, I just like my black coffee. I'm like, I'm just not, I'm not fun like that. I try, like I buy all the flavors and everything, but then I don't ever make them because I'm like, no, I just want black coffee. <laughs> I love that. What is the biz- biggest misconception that people have about you? Oh my goodness. That's a good question. Um, well, on the internet, I don't know if this, I don't know if this counts, but a lot of people say that I seem introverted, but I'm not. So I think that's a misconception because I feel like I seem like kind of more studious because people are like, oh, she writes books and she likes to think a lot and study. I'm like introspective looking, I guess, but I am a people person. Like if I had it my way, I would just be around people all the time. That is so funny. I am a total introvert. Can you believe that? I do believe it. (laughs) People are like, you're in sales though. Like how could you possibly be an introvert? I'm like, cause I can do the sales when I need to. And then I want to come home and put my comfy pajamas on and sit in front of the fireplace. (laughs) Yeah. And I can only do so much of people and then I have to go in my cocoon. So (laughs) I love that. That's awesome though. I wouldn't have thought you were an extrovert though. I would, I, you're, you're right. That's, that is a misconception about you, but now I know. So it's the glasses. (laughs) Yes. It's the glasses. Yes. Just look studious all day long. So I want you to tell our community where they can find you, where they can get your book, how they can connect with you and tell us a little bit about your coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, have Instagram and TikTok mainly, and my handle is at Mrs. Molly Wilcox. And that's the same for my website. It's just mrsmollywilcox.com. You can find all the information for all of the things on there. I um, My book came out in August and it's called How Much More with a question mark. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, kind of anywhere you would buy a book. So you can find it there. And then coaching, I do mainly writing coaching. So for anyone who's interested or 
even doesn't consider themselves a writer yet, but it's kind of like, oh, I see there's value in this and I want to start remembering what the Lord has done and maybe want to start thinking about getting a message out into the world in some way. Um, I'd love to connect with you. So that's on my website as well. That's awesome. Cause I think a writing coach is so amazing. I, I think you get, it's really intimidating to write yes. <laughs> even when you do write, like you look back and you're like, Oh my God, that sounds so awful. Like I should have written something different, but yeah. I, you know, you just have to step into it. If you feel called to it, like step into it, because I, I feel like it's going to touch someone's life. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, a New York times bestseller, you know, but just getting your story out there is so important. So thank you so yeah. much for being here today. I just so appreciate you. And we look forward to connecting with you and 24 karat conversations. Do not forget to like subscribe and share and go follow us on 24 karat conversations podcast. And until next time, sparkle on. Bye.